and welcome, audio chokers, to MMATorch.com. Tobin doesn't like that. All right, he's been riding my ass all day today. Well, screw him. All right, so. There's just so many innuendos there, I don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, and, uh, you know, follow us at Twitter, AudioChoke at Twitter.com. We have a Facebook. Please leave a comment. Go to the forum. Uh, you know, which one of us sounds sexier? Hint, hint. Oh, that would be me. I think you're incorrect, man, actually. <laughs> I am Greg Rowland. I'm Tobin Shelby. I'm Matt Collins. <laughs> so, hey, guys. Say it deeper. Hey, guys. Uh, wait, wait. <laughs> I see what you were trying to do there. Yeah, yeah. All right, UFC 109, Relentless. Decent old, card. Yeah, old dog, new tricks. Oh, there weren't a lot of new tricks. I mean, we saw Randy Couture pull off a submission, which he hasn't done in forever. But aside from that, it was like old dogs, same tricks. Well, you know, Randy Couture, uh, that was his first submission since he fought Mike Van Arsdale back in 2005, who was also uh, pretty much the only guy he's fought that can really challenge him wrestling uh, in that time, in terms of uh, offensive wrestling anyway. There's guys like Chuck Liddell and uh, Brandon Vera, who actually had a hard time taking down. But, um, uh, you know, for the most part, these guys aren't going to try and take Randy down. And uh, Randy uh, got the submission win on both of them. And as far as I know, those are the only submission wins Randy Couture has is uh, fighting. I don't know if they're necessarily superior wrestlers, but certainly up there with him. Yeah, I'm looking at his record. He's got another submission, uh, and it says elbow. So I don't know if he elbowed someone and they submitted <laughs> or whatever. Or he, like, snapped their elbow off and they submitted. But uh, It sounded like yeah. you are going elbow and then something else. Elbow right. torque, elbow smash, but just elbow. Pretty vague. But yes. uh, either way, that must have been a really long time ago. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a while. But, yeah, his most recent one was, yeah, Mark <laughs> Mike Van Arsdale back at UFC 54. Yeah, so that was a fight that... Um, I think pretty much went the way that should be expected, other than the fact that uh, Mark Coleman didn't really go for any takedowns. I think that's the first time I've ever seen him fight that he didn't go for a, a single takedown. And, um, you know, Randy's really not a killer on his feet either, but, um, you know, between the two of them, he was certainly the better striker. He uh, he had Mark Coleman rocked a few times and uh, eventually got him down and, and submitted him for the win. But... It was uh, it was not really a very good outing for Mark Coleman. Yeah, I mean, Randy's not an ace striking, but he's at least a competent striker. I mean, he, he you know has head movement, that sort of thing, where Mark Coleman was really just standing with his head straight up and was kind of throwing you know punches back and forth, but wasn't obviously he wasn't comfortable there, and he wasn't able to set up for any takedowns. I, yeah, I was very surprised he didn't go for a takedown sooner. Or at all, basically. I mean, I was expecting him to do what Mark Coleman does, which is go for a takedown and try and ground and pound. And he wasn't able to do that. And um, I think I said last on the last show, you know, he he hasn't aged nearly as well as Randy Couture. He hasn't adjusted his game uh, much at all since he's been fighting. And and I think his his body's taken a lot more abuse uh, from his fights too. So, but uh, yeah, I was. Uh, I kind of expected Randy to win. I didn't. I thought it was probably going to be a decision, but it, yeah, it was surp- pleasantly surprising to see him pull off a submission victory. You know, show off his uh, his well-rounded skills, as it were. Yeah, I, I heard in the uh, post-fight conference that Dana White was saying that that's quite possibly going to be 
Mark Coleman's last fight, or at least his last fight in the UFC. But at the same time, there was that drama with Tito Ortiz. So who knows if they're going to be building something up that way. Yeah, well, Tito was definitely trying to build something up. I mean, they were originally scheduled to fight a few UFCs ago, and Coleman had to pull out because of an injury. So, you know, maybe Tito was just giving him grief for that. But with with Tito, it always seems like he's he's building, you know, he's planning for the next several fights. He's got He's going to be fighting Chuck at the end of the next Ultimate Fighter season, but he's always, uh, he's big into self-promotion. Yeah, well, half the battle for a fighter to make money is the promotion. Yeah. I mean, winning fights is a big deal. If you don't win any fights, you don't, uh, you don't get any paydays either. But look at Tito. He hasn't won a significant fight since he beat Forrest Griffin the first time. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's still drawing big money. He's fighting big names. He hasn't beaten any of the big names. He's, he's been competitive with all of them. But, um, you know, he's... He hasn't won any fights, but he's just—he's good at getting his name out there. He's good at getting us to want him to see his get his ass kicked, and uh, you know I, I think he would beat Mark Coleman probably, uh, but yeah. he—he's not going to beat any of the top guys for sure. Yeah, oh, I gotta—I gotta correct myself earlier. I said Randy Couture won a fight on submission with the elbow. He actually lost that one. His other one—I think he's only had one other one—and it was also a rear naked choke. So probably fix that, and you know, learn how to read. <laughs> doing fine, doing fine. No Japanese fighters over there, so doing okay. All right, well, any other surprises or anything like that you guys uh, saw? I think, I think the biggest surprise of the night was uh, Chael Sonnen against Nate Morcart. Um, yes. Chael Sonnen is one of the best wrestlers in the UFC. He ta- trains with Team Quest, which is full of great wrestlers. Uh, Matt Lindland and Dan Henderson. It used to have Randy Couture. That's a hard-nosed wrestling team. And uh, Jail Sonnen came in there and wrestled like a son of a bitch. He kept taking Morkart down and uh, pounded his way into a victory after three rounds. Um, I thought that was pretty surprising, though, because Nate Morkart has shown a huge improvement since his loss to Anderson Silva three years ago and has just been destroying people. And he got a few good shots in there. There was a few times where it looked like he was going to pull off a victory. He got a, a really tight-looking guillotine, and he split Chael Sonnen up really badly with an elbow. But other than that, he didn't really offer a whole lot until about the last minute of the fight, which uh, by that point it was pretty much too little too late. So Chael Sonnen has really turned up his game in his last two fights. Uh, a lot of people picked Yushin Okami over him, mm-hmm. and uh, he made them look pretty silly for that. And... Uh, he uh, he tore apart Nate Morcart, who was he was pretty much in line for the title shot. I mean, Chael Sonnen really played the spoiler here, kind of like Dan Hardy just did not too long ago at welterweight, where uh, he took Mike Swick, who was in line for the title shot, and uh, beat him. So uh, Chael Sonnen has been uh, he's been winning fights, and he's been talking a good game about Anderson Silva. Yeah, he he sure knows how to promote uh, fights he hasn't actually been signed to yet, but uh, good good on him. And yeah, he made Marquardt look very bad at times, which. Marquardt's very well-rounded. He just apparently needs to work uh, quite a bit on his wrestling defense. But, I mean, other than that, yeah, he got, I mean, Marquardt was able to, you know, get a couple submission attempts in there and had a son in trouble a few times and obviously was able to bust him up. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it appeared at times that part of Sonnen's offense was to literally bleed all over Marquardt to get him to, uh, I don't know, submission by blood. Can you do that? Well, you can get blood in his eye, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but that was, that was, uh, was kind of a little disgusting. I mean, he was just he wouldn't stop bleeding. Yeah, he was really cut open. That was quite amazing. And he said after the fight, you know, he was worried the fight was going to be stopped there. Um, I was kind of worried the fight was going to stop because he was he was clearly winning the fight, and it yeah. was not a big shot that uh, cut that open. It w- it wasn't like it was an elbow from the ground, wasn't it? it yeah, off his back. It, yeah. it wasn't like 
you know, he reversed him and was landing some damage, and that was what opened up. He was on his back getting pummeled, and he, you know, did a, a elbow, and it opened him up. It was very Kenny Florian-esque, uh, kind of like when he fought Chris Lieben on The Ultimate Fighter, where he was, you know, being manhandled, and he, he elbowed him, and it required 17 stitches. Yep. Uh, not quite that bad, but along the same lines, and... uh you know, the fight could have ended up uh, being a TKO, which would have been a real shame if that was the case. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it looks like, I mean, that was kind of billed as a number one contender's fight, so hopefully we'll see, you know, Sonnen or uh, take on Anderson Silva or Vitor Belfort uh, after their fight. But, you know, Goldberg did it and Rogan, or Rogan did it and Goldberg kind of corrected him during the broadcast. <laughs> said, yeah, Vitor Belfort could beat Anderson Silva and maybe he'll have to fight Shell Sonnen next. Yeah. Um, but I think most people are kind of in... in league with Anderson Silva's probably going to stay champ for a bit longer. Speaking of uh, that fight, though, and Carol uh, Sonnen talking some smack, um, what he said at the post-fight conference is that he says he hopes that Anderson Silva defeats Vitor Belfort, not because he likes him better, but because he wants an easier fight, and he thinks that Anderson Silva is the easier of the two fights. Yeah. Man, I don't know... Uh like, it's hard for me to, you know, sometimes fighters say things and you're like, this is outrageous or egregious. This is just great, like, fight promotion. <laughs> like, I, I don't I don't know, I haven't seen too many interviews with Sonnen, so I don't know too much about, like, the per- personality he presents. So there's, like, no way for me to go, like, oh, this seems really uncharacteristic or whatever. It's it's it's, it's great theater. Yeah, he had always kind of been a quiet guy until yeah. just recently. I mean, he's been one of those guys whose name has been more or less out there. I, I remember him fighting Babalu in the UFC in, like, 2005 or something like that. So, I mean, he's been around. We've known who he was for a while, but I never heard him say anything until, like, three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago when he started talking bad about Anderson Silva. So I think it's kind of funny. Um, You know, it is possible that, you know, there's some some dislike there, but most likely he's finally seen that he's somewhere close to a title and uh, he wants to make it worth it. Yeah, and I just uh, it looks like there's an interview up online, uh, I think sportsnet.ca, with um, Ed Soros, who's Anderson Silva, Silva's uh, manager, and he said, um, you know, they, they'd take that fight, but um, they, they'd like to see maybe Sonnen take on Damian Maya again, who is, um, I don't know if it's the last fighter uh, Sonnen lost to, but uh, he, he had a pretty quick submission loss to Damian Maya uh, a while back, and uh, Damian Maya's the other one who's kind of, you know, after getting his face punched off by Nate Marquardt in his last bouts, kind of yeah, rebounded. You know, I, I'm i not really liking a lot of the things I'm hearing from Anderson Silva's camp. They keep saying, like, oh, yeah, we want another fight, we want another fight uh, before you're you're ready to fight Anderson Silva. And that's why Dan Henderson is no longer in the UFC, pretty much straight up, um, is that Anderson Silva just didn't want to fight him yet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if Anderson Silva wants to start picking his fights, then he can go to light heavyweight and, you know, guys there, which he has had incredible success there. But at, at middleweight, you know, he's the champ, and he's supposed to fight whoever the UFC puts in front of him. And Kael Sonnen is on a roll. Kael Sonnen could potentially beat uh, Anderson Silva. He's got a style that, uh, you know, it, he wouldn't be the first wrestler that Anderson Silva fought, but he would possibly be the first wrestler who doesn't let pride get the best of him because, uh, you know, Kael Sonnen is more than happy to win ugly. He... Uh, his fight with Paulo Filio, he uh, was clearly winning the fight. There was no no possibility this fight was going to get turned around. Um, he was winning the stand-up. Filio was never going to take him down. Mm-hmm. And um, he just kept poking at him, poking at him, poking at him for the rest of the fight and happily rode his way to a decision. And 
while you don't want to go 25 minutes with Anderson Silva, uh, you certainly don't want to stand and bang with him either. No. So I could see Kale Sonnen, you know, going in there, going for the takedown, and, you know, doing that five times, and potentially, I'm not saying, you know, he would be a favorite by any stretch of the imagination, but he, he's a new matchup, uh, a new stylistic matchup, which, uh, uh, you know, Anderson Silva fought Dan Henderson, but Dan Henderson also really loves to punch people. Yeah. And uh, Dan Henderson won the first round. A lot yeah, of people. I think he was think. the last. Wasn't he the last fighter to win a round against Silva? Maybe. Yeah, he was. He was certainly the last one to win a round. Um, but uh, Travis Luter also would have won a round against him. And uh, according to Cecil Peoples, uh, Talis Ladies, I believe, won two rounds against Anderson Silva, which is insane. I kind of fell asleep during that. Fight. Yeah, that was a pretty bad one. But um. Yeah, I think it's a, a good matchup. It's a matchup that we need to see, and it's a matchup that Kale Sonnen earned because he just defeated the number one contender, and when you defeat the number one contender, that makes you the number one contender. Yeah, so it should be, you know, and and who knows? I mean, you know, if uh, for some somehow Vitor Belfort beats Anderson Silva, I mean, Kale Sonnen's also got a good shot against him. I mean, having a, a really good re- wrestling game is uh, quite a big uh, adv- advantage against some of the top, uh, top middleweights. Uh, I mean, yeah... Not like there's a lot of holes in Anderson Silva's game, but I mean Dan Dan Henderson and you mentioned Travis Luter kind of proved you could uh, do at least a little bit of something to him, take him down, that sort of thing, and at least um, postpone your beating, uh, if nothing else. So yeah, well, and both Vitor Belfort and Anderson Silva, to a lesser extent, are kind of vulnerable off their backs. I wouldn't expect him to uh, finish them off with ground and pound, or even to submit them but I can't think of anyone that Vitor Belfort has submitted off his back. Um, he, he was touted as a Gracie black belt when he first came to the UFC, but he's always been a guy who it's his hands that you worry about. Uh, you know, he can he can do some knees apparently too, as Marvin Eastman learned. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he, he's all about his hands. And Anderson Silva, while he does have a few submission wins, they were pretty much set up by strikes, or in Travis Luter's case, uh, just pure exhaustion. Um, and even then, there was uh, some pretty fierce-looking elbows when he was in that triangle choke. So, you know, I, I'm not saying that uh, Chael Sana would be putting those guys away, but he's got really good submission defense. Um, you know, he just survived with uh, Nate Morcar, who is a uh, black belt in jiu-jitsu, uh, yeah. and I, I don't think that those guys are that many levels above him on the ground. So he just needs to avoid getting caught by the submissions cuz submission yeah. defense is good and uh, like, I applaud him for it but man he got caught a couple times and I mean that's I think his last loss was to Damian Maya with the submission in the first round so you know getting out of it's one thing but uh, hopefully avoiding it would also help well you know sometimes it's uh not necessarily the worst thing to get kind of you know in a, a worried situation particularly with like a guillotine mm-hmm. uh you know with a guillotine you can blow your arm out in 30 seconds just by squeezing as hard as you can because really all that is is you flexing your bicep as hard as you can until they fall asleep. And hopefully they fall asleep or tap out before your arm runs out of strength. Um, I think that may have been what saved him in yep. the third round against Morcart where, uh, uh, you know, Morcart was tired. Everyone's tired in the third round. Um, no matter how good a shape you are, you're, you're not 100% fresh. And... Uh, you know, I, I think he may just not have had the strength like that. And, you know, anytime you're uh, uh, in a guillotine that uh, is not about to make you pass out, you know, stay in it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't don't let yourself get too caught into it, <laughs> but uh, you, you can tire them out and potentially win a fight that way. Lull them, yes. 
good point. So is, is Marquardt kind of stuck in like that, you know, he's one of the top fighters, but just, I think he's almost in the Rich Franklin position almost, it seems now, where he's he's really good, but not quite good enough, or do you think in a couple more fights he might be able to get another shot at the title or something? I think he can get another shot at the title. This is a really big setback for him, and I think this is kind of something that came out of left field for him. Yeah. Because middleweight is really not the wrestler's division for the most part. You know, different weight classes seem to have different things that dominate them, like uh, welterweight, tons of wrestlers at the top of the, the weight class, and uh, middleweight has always been kind of more of a striker. There's a lot of knockout guys at the top. Rich Franklin used to be on top, and uh, now Anderson Silva is on top, and even a, a lot of the guys that are around there. And uh, Nate Marquardt is one of the best strikers there, and he can also take most people down, and he can submit people, and uh, if he gets taken down, he can submit a lot of people also. But he was not ready, I think, for that uh, elite wrestler that came in there and just... You know, there was never really any danger that Nate Morcart was going to be put away, which is a lot of times what happens with uh, these wrestlers. Mm. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's so much that he uh, he really lost a whole lot of standing as it is that J.L. Sana really impressed people. Yeah. Um, because, he's like I said, he's really turned up his game in these last two fights. So, you know, Morcart, he'll be back. Um, I'm sure he'll be working on a sprawl and probably uh, submissions off of his back. But, you know, he'll be back, and, you know, he may one day get a title shot against uh, the winner of Anderson Silva, Vitor Belfort, and Chael Sonnen. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Well, um, so Paulo Tiago is basically, like, the most badass person on the planet, right? Can we make that conclusion at this point? (laughs) Yeah, he's pretty awesome. Um, He lost to John Fitch, but... Other than that, he's yeah. been he's been looking great. He he's run the gauntlet now of the uh, AKA welterweights. Did, did he do something to like make UFC mad at him? Because they just like threw him in the deep end. I mean, and he's 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 held up well, but like that's that's a pretty tough like line of opponents for uh, someone who's not. I mean, he hasn't been in the UFC that long. No, well, I mean, his first fight was against Josh Koscheck, which is already like punishment enough. Um, but then, you know, maybe it's just like, well, he won, so maybe he's good. You know, maybe we'll see how good he is. And they put him with John Fitch, who beat him. Um, and then he's now come back and, uh I think with this fight, when it was booked, it was originally supposed to be Josh Koscheck. That was probably uh, Koscheck's revenge, what they were looking for. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, as a, a twist of fate, it ended up being Mike Swig, so it was the final teammate fighting him. And, uh, wow, I mean, Paulo Tiago... He put him away with uh, uh, some pretty serious aggression there. Much more uh, impressive than the Dan Hardy fight, which the Dan Hardy fight was very impressive. He uh, he took a guy who was one of the top strikers in the division and pretty much tooled him, but he didn't put him away and he didn't really show much killer instinct. So right. this Paulo Tiago, I mean, he's certainly going to be one of those guys in line for a title shot. Yes. Yeah, I was very, uh, very impressed by him, and it is kind of fun to see him, I mean, for the most part, you know, I, I expect him to, like, still fight Josh Koscheck or maybe John Fitch again just because, uh, wh- why not? But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's, he's really been able to, uh, you know, prove himself pretty uh, pretty worthy of being in the UFC octagon with uh, the fights he's had and what he's been able to do against some very, very tough opponents. Well, he's 2-1 and one now against the uh, American Kickboxing Academy, and that is really saying something. The guy that he lost to, John Fitch, is... Depending on who you ask, either number two or number three in the weight class in the world. Yeah. Um, so losing to him, there's no shame. That can mean you're, you know, number three or number four. And then, uh, you know, he beat Josh Koscheck, who up until that fight was top five. And uh, Mike Swick, who was, you know, still probably top ten somewhere. 
So those are some serious wins. Uh, you know, he, he's really been proving himself to be quite a badass, and he's still a cop. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah, no, he had a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice submission. What was that? A Bravo choke? It was what? a Darce choke. Okay, okay. But yeah, I mean that was that. I, you know, maybe it was the camera angle, but I do love those chokes where you can't see them coming until, like, it's too late, and then, obviously, Mike Swick did not see it coming. But, yeah, it's just one of those things, like, hey, what's going on? Oh, he choked him out. Okay. Yeah. It's when you see their bodies just go limp, yeah. you know? You have to really see that moment. What happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, very nice. But Josh Koscheck has got a, a fight coming up with Paul Daly. Yeah. So, um... I'm not sure how far out that is, but it, it sounds like Koscheck may be tied up for a little while. Um, and then GSP's got his fight with Dan Hardy coming up. So depending on the timing, uh, Paulo Tiago and GSP might be next. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure he's only had, um, I mean, what, four fights in the UFC. He also had a win over Jacob Volkman. But, you know, it's not definitely not beyond the UFC to give someone a title shot after a couple solid wins, and you know, even if they've only had a few. But, I mean, he's beat... Two out of like the top five guys. So, yeah. well, and not only were they solid wins, but uh, you know, two of them were by knockout. Yeah. Over you know like some top five, top ten guys, and uh, you know, knockouts always mean more than winning a decision. Even a lot of times that they mean more about than uh, winning by a submission, which I, I guess technically speaking, this was a submission victory, but the submission was clearly set up by the knockout. It, yep. uh, I mean, he was he was almost out just from the punch. And uh, the submission just got slapped on as a little way to, to clinch the victory. Excellent. Um, so is there a theme during this uh, of wrestlers during uh, UFC 109, do you think? There was certainly a lot of wrestlers and strikers, uh, I thought I noticed. Well, there were certainly a lot of wrestlers. Um, Frank Trigg was also in there, although he ended up being on the losing end. Yes, another fight on the uh, the, the elder statesman of uh, MMA. Matt Sarah and Frank Trigg, and it kind of went. Matt Sarah did what Matt Sarah does, and Frank Trigg got punched in the face. Yeah, mm-hmm. Matt Sarah's been one of those guys who's been hard to rank for a really long time, because he's he's never really been a top guy other than when he was the champion of the world. Aside from that time, <laughs> GSP, yeah. yeah. Um, but he, he's always been tough. Um, you know, he's got a lot of losses on his record, but besides the Shoney Carter fight where he got knocked out in the last 15 seconds, and the uh, GSP fight where there was the third-round TKO. Um, they've always been by decision, and some of them have been uh, kind of contested. Some people feel that he actually beat BJ Penn in uh, their fight way back in the day. So um, UFC 39, yeah. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And he, you know, he's been around forever, and he's you know, he's won a lot of fights. He, he's lost to some guys, too, um, but he he's recently, in the past four years, discovered that he's apparently got power in his hands, too. He was, for a long time, a, uh, a jiu-jitsu guy. I mean, he was a, a submission guy and, uh, you know, recently learned that he had power. He first showed it off in his fight against Carl Parisian, where he dropped him, but ended up losing the decision. And, uh, you know, obviously he, he beat George St. Pierre, and he almost put away Matt Hughes also in that loss. Yes. So, you know, he, he's one of those guys who's always got the bag of tricks, but can be uh, kind of overwhelmed by people who can take him down and avoid his submissions, which uh, seemed like the kind of thing that the Frank Trigg of old perhaps might have done. Um, or, you know, Frank Trigg 
a lot of times would uh, use his superior wrestling to kind of do the Chuck Liddell style thing where he'd stuff the takedowns and, you know, throw his hands a lot. It seemed like he was kind of going for that style. Matt Serra knew that he couldn't control where the fight was going to be. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't even going to try and take him down, wasn't going to try and sprawl. He was just going to go where the fight takes him. And uh, Frank Trigg was really not doing much. He was he just kind of really poking stiff. him with a jab and uh, got dropped in something like two minutes. Yeah, and... Uh, I mean, it, it really looked like he was just kind of waiting around to get punched in the face, and you know, I mean, Frank Trigg had has had a really good long career, but I mean, it didn't he didn't seem to have anything really to offer, and I don't, I don't think we're going to see him back in the UFC. Probably not, unless he can put together a hell of a win streak. But yeah. and I, I think he's pretty much done with the UFC. Um, you know, last time he got kicked out of the UFC was because he got rear naked choked repeatedly, and now it's because he's gotten knocked out repeatedly. So. Um, I don't see him coming back. He's a good commentator, though. He yeah. uh, he did some commentary with Pride. He was uh, an announcer, so you know maybe he can start looking and do uh, doing a career there. Uh, now that Frank Mir is a full time fighter again, you know maybe go take his spot in the WEC. Yeah, but, I mean he's definitely got a lot of options. You know, it's good to see like uh, some fighters come through and be able to you know lend their uh, gift of gab to the commenting side after their careers are done. Uh, I mean, what do we do with Matt Serra though? I mean, his it seems like his. Uh, he he mentioned it. I think Rogan mentioned it too. But I mean, he is he is kind of small even for his you know, for the weight class. I mean, just he's he's short, stocky, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, I mean, in, in another few fights, if he gets a couple more wins, is is he a, a top, you know, top ten fighter again, or what is uh, what do we do with him? You know, like to me, Matt Sarah, like I say, he, he's a hard guy to rank. I don't see him ever getting close to the title again. You know, to me. That was not only like a lucky situation. The uh, the stipulation of winning the Ultimate Fighter season four was that you get a free title shot, and then he landed the punch of his life against uh, a guy who was supposed to be better at striking. Yeah. Uh, so I mean that was definitely lightning striking uh, twice there. Um, that said, he is a good fighter, and nobody's ever really dominated him other than the George St Pierre fight, the the rematch. So, I mean, you you could put him in there with some of the top guys, some of the guys like uh, Josh Koscheck, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect him to necessarily come out of the win, but I bet he'd fight like a son of a bitch for 15 minutes. Right, yeah, I mean, he's definitely not one of those. I mean, he he's getting up, I, mean, I think he's about 36 or something now, so, I mean, he, he's getting up there for a fighter, but, I mean, he, he doesn't look bad in his fights. He doesn't, he's not like, uh, I don't have concern for his well-being when he fights, unlike perhaps maybe Mark Coleman at this point. Yeah. And, and he can still, obviously, he's proven that he can still, you know, Get get big wins and he, he still uh, knows what he's doing out there. It seems, yeah, for sure. I, w- I would like to see him stick around yeah. and uh, you know he can be the solid gatekeeper of the division. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I don't see him getting close to a title shot again unless you know. I mean, I've been proven wrong before. Uh, he proved me wrong before. Yeah. So uh, I mean, it can happen, but I would consider it to be pretty unlikely. But he should be happy with his uh, his title. That he has held, he is a former welterweight champion, which is more than most people can say. Yeah, and he's certainly one of the another fighter who's like I mentioned last week. I was just really looking up forward to the uh, the war of words between him and Frank Trigg and Matt. There's another guy who really knows how to sell a fight and get a uh, get the uh, you know people aren't cons- uh, excited for the the physical um, competition. They can at least be excited for the personalities in the ring when uh, Matt Sarah's involved. Another great personality I hear is uh, Phil Davis, who's a fast and rising star in the UFC. Yeah, he had a really uh, impressive performance, and I actually was able, I heard an interview with him on uh, uh, SureDog last week, and he is he is a funny man. So uh, hopefully uh, he'll get some. Uh, I can't imagine the UFC uh, 
doing anything but uh, just promoting. Yeah, a him big quite beastly a man. You know? Yeah, and he, he's got the. Wait um, a second. <laughs> yeah, he's got you know obviously very solid wrestling. Although if I hear explosive and athletic one more time out of Mike Goldberg <laughs> or Joe Rogan, I. I might that's a drinking game, is it not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, for no, next time, man. Next time, yeah. I don't know if you would have gotten through the night, man, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, no, Phil Davis has a lot of potential. Um, you know, obviously, very, very solid wrestling, kind of demonstrating his fight against. Um, I was totally spaced out on who. Brian Stan. Brian Stan. Uh, obviously, demonstrated he still needs to work quite a bit on his striking, but uh, you know, he's young and he's got time to develop, and hopefully, the UFC will give him a. Give him that time, but yeah, it was very impressive. Just dominated uh, takedowns and uh, on the ground, very controlling. So yeah. very impressive debut for him. Brian Stan is a guy who I've always thought was kind of rated, uh, not so much by the fans, but you always feel like the hype machine for certain fighters. Uh, they, they get it more than they deserve. Mm. And uh, Brian Stan is kind of one of those guys that you know I, I was able to see that with. Uh, part of it was uh, the Marine aspect, which. Nothing wrong with that. I, I respect the Marines, but, man, they went overboard on that stuff. And, uh, you know, he's a good fighter. He's solid. He's got some good wins, but he's not, like, a, a top guy. But that guy, uh, Phil Davis, just made him look like he was nothing. Yep. He, he wasn't able to put him away, but I think a lot of that is due to uh, the lack of experience. He's still fairly one-dimensional. Um, he looks like he's learning some jiu-jitsu. He went for that arm bar towards the end that... Yep. You know, like they kind of said, oh, he was saved by the bell, but it didn't really look to me like he had it anyway. The the arm was bent in the proper direction, so <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't about to break or anything. But um, very impressive fight. The thing that got me about that though is, as was stated, this guy was huge. He had giant legs and uh, really broad shoulders too. Um, and I don't know how old he is, but if, if he's only got five fights, I'm assuming he's pretty young. And he could still be getting bigger. I don't know if he's going to stay at uh, at 205 for very long. He could be moving up to heavyweight, which may not be a bad move for him. He's going to fight some guys that are big, like Brock Lesnar, Shane Carlin, and Frank Mir. But, you know, there's not a whole lot of competition, not a whole lot of depth there. And, uh, you know, you get up to heavyweight, and if you've got some skills, you're pretty much automatically a title contender. Yeah. Uh, I think he's about 25 or 26. And, yeah, you mentioned five professional fights. And um, I was just looking up some background on him. Uh, they mentioned he was, you know, wrestled out of Penn State, uh, where he was apparently 116 and 20, which is a... Uh, the wrestler. All right. Pretty right. good. And that's, and, a, that's a good yeah. wrestling state. Yeah, yeah. And he, he wrestled there at uh, 197. So, uh, the 197 pound class. He's going to so. be a monster, man. He, he's got lots of time on his side. Yeah. Just don't get injured. Yeah. You know, keep your head about you, and he'll be doing just fine. Yeah, yeah. very excited. It's always, you know... Sometimes when you see, like, the... Because uh, that was a preliminary fight, and when you see that on the, the pay-per-view, you're always kind of expecting, like, oh, maybe there's going to be a monster knockout or a slick submission, and this one it was just, like, a dominating performance that yeah. they decided they should throw on. Well, they had uh, three guys who were kind of highly touted guys making their UFC debut, and uh, of the three guys, not only is he the only one who won, but uh, there was a certain guy who uh, looked pretty bad. Oh, yeah. And that's Holes Gracie. Eesh, yeah. Um, I mean, he, he got the takedown against uh, the Mexicusiner. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we all pretty much assumed it was over from there. Gracie's got this guy on his back. It's done. But uh, the guy got up, and Gracie was over. He, he was he gassed to a point of ridiculousness. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it was pretty laughable. Um, 
Yeah, it was it was embarrassing to watch. It was it was yeah, it was bad. It was on the level of uh the fight with Wes Shivers on uh, the Ultimate Fighter season ten. <laughs> uh where, you know, except this time it was only one guy who was gassed. And to make it even worse, uh, the executioner took that fight on, like, a week's notice, and he was the one who, uh, you know, had the cardio to win the fight when he was clearly outmatched, at least at the beginning. Um, so, I mean, that was embarrassing, and especially considering your last name is Gracie, and those guys are known for their cardio. Uh, Hoist Gracie fought a 90-minute match against Sakuraba. Yep. And, uh, I mean, this guy... <laughs> he didn't even have a full round in him. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to be very well. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, the Gracie name means a lot, and whether it's as relevant as today as it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they argue about that. But, yeah, I mean, they are really aces on the ground, and, you know, many of them have transitioned well into MMA, and uh, he just doesn't seem, he wasn't really kind of, didn't seem to have trained or prepared well for, a, a, you know, a, an MMA fight. You yeah. Know? He was just, it, I mean, I think at one point uh, the referee just, you know, he was on the ground. He was like, "Do you want to keep fighting?" What's? I mean, it was it was bad. <laughs> Look, yeah, it looked like he needed a nap or something. Yeah, there's a couple ways you can look at holes. You know, he's he's either like the snobby prince type of character <laughs> that you want him him to get his comeuppings at the end, yeah. or he's more of a tragic figure where he didn't want this for himself ever. He was pressured into it. And he was pressured into it by his family either because he looked like the most athletic of them or the most handsome. I'm not exactly sure. No. Here I am again talking about... Uh, hmm. Greek mm. tragedies, interesting. I know. I would have never thought of that one. But, I mean, pretty much all the Gracies uh, learn jiu-jitsu. Um, I've never heard of any Gracie that was just like, you know what, I'm not going to do this. Not for me. Although, then again, I probably wouldn't have heard of him if he <laughs> did that. He'd probably be snuffed and, That's you an know, excellent point. gotten rid of. But, um, you know, th- they all learn it from a young age, and there are a lot of them, even though they're not as relevant in mixed martial arts as they were 15 years ago when, you know, it was Hoist Gracie. He was the king. Uh, and even then, you know, after that, in Pride, there were still several Gracies who were, were still winning several matches. Um, but there's still a lot of them on top in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, yeah. Hoyler Gracie is one of the top guys. Uh, I mean, Eddie Bravo has basically made his career off being a guy who submitted him. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're still up there. And it seems like when they uh, when they win enough, uh, a lot of them try to make the transition into MMA. And uh, this is the first one that I've seen make it to the UFC out of that. A lot of times, you know, like they, they fight in Japan instead. Um and they, they either win or they lose. And, you know, if they win, they stick around for a while, probably because the money is better. And if they lose, they end up usually uh, showing back up in jiu-jitsu. I don't really know what Hull's, uh jiu-jitsu record is, but I would uh, wager to say it's probably pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, maybe he's uh, just more meant for uh, jiu-jitsu. Um, and, and how different is it, like, the training um going into that UFC was it just a mistake that they ignored the cardio that much or is they just thinking they were thinking that it wasn't going to go that long you know there's it, probably a, fa- a number of things uh one thing that gets a lot of people is the first time jitters um yeah. you know a lot of people just their first fight in general they they gas out really bad and then a lot of times your first fight under the big lights is uh, a similar story um and then there's also the fact that there's different kinds of cardio um, I know firsthand that uh, jiu-jitsu cardio and boxing cardio are two completely different things, and uh, so is wrestling cardio. I mean, like, I can do jiu-jitsu for 15 minutes, and then 
uh, you know, be fine and then, you know, wrestle for two minutes and go barf. Mm. Uh, It's completely different. So it's possible that he was, uh, you know, maybe good jujitsu shape, but uh, was kind of losing the wrestling battle there. He took the guy down and the guy got up and he was scrambling and stuff and, you know, maybe that wore him out. Yeah, I mean, anything's possible. Yeah, but I mean, we're going to see another Gracie at UFC 110. Uh, Henzo's. Henzo, yes. A much more accomplished Gracie. That's, he's uh, had a lot of wins and pride. He hasn't looked too late, uh, too great as of uh, late, yep. other than his win over Frank Shamrock. But um, he, uh, he he's much more accomplished. He he made a really good name for himself over in Pride. He was the Gracie who would stand and bang. He was not afraid to throw punches, and he'd usually you know win on the ground more often than not. But he uh, you know he, he he wasn't just a jiu-jitsu guy. He was. Probably the best true mixed martial artist out of the entire Gracie family, but he's uh, he's certainly over the hill in terms of uh, competition now. But he's fighting Matt Hughes, so Matt Hughes is certainly not the Matt Hughes of 2006 either. Yeah. So um, yeah, who, who knows if the Gracie name is really that? I mean, what it used to be, and you know, yeah, obviously everything's got to fade you know, away eventually. But right, you know, well, at least just, we have the history of them. Right. Well, it, it definitely goes back to like you know, kind of the Mark Coleman thing of adapting your game. I mean, you know, the Gracies really dominated when the MMA was new because you know people just didn't know how to deal with the ground game, and people have adjusted since then. And some Gracies have really adapted their game to be more well-rounded, and uh, some, some haven't. Some haven't. Yeah. Yes. John Fitch said at the uh, UFC 109 post conference that. Uh, the closed guard is dead. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's the Gracie's thing. And there is some truth to that statement. Uh, you get a good wrestler who's got some submission defense. Because, like everything else, it's easier to defend than to be on the attack. Um, in jiu-jitsu, the first thing you learn is to not get submitted, basically. And then you the, the, the victory has come later. But you, know, you pretty much just stalemate people when you're new. Uh, or that's what you're going for. And, uh, you know, if you're a wrestler, uh, you can take down a jiu-jitsu guy, learn some pretty good jiu-jitsu defense, and uh, ride out the victory. And, uh, I mean, John Fitch has made a career out of that. Um, Kael Sonnen just uh, beat a guy who, in pure grappling, is probably superior to him. Mm. But he, he took him down and, and grinded him away. And, uh, you know, that, that's the Gracie's thing. They've got the guard, um, which, you know, the guard is really supposed to be a defensive thing uh, but they're not the best wrestlers they're not going to be on top in a whole lot of fights so uh, they, they do the guard and uh, you know it's it's not the 90s anymore yep um, since we were just talking about jujitsu we might as well use that transition uh, Damian Maya got a got his victory a, a unanimous decision and uh, you know actually got the better of a stand-up uh, battle with Dan Miller which was yeah you know, it wasn't he, he didn't have great stand-up but it was improved yeah, uh, better than what he's offered in the past for sure. So that was uh, promising, I guess. He's certainly been uh, improving that. Um, I, I think he tried to display it in his previous fight, but got knocked out because he was fighting Nate Morcard, who was yep. a uh, much better striker. But he, he had some good stand-up. There was uh, one moment in there where he kneed him in the balls, and yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> laughing <laughs> at that. <laughs> oh, balls. Hey, nut shots are funny. Um, but Dan Miller is trying to escape. He's got one hand on his balls and one hand, you know, like in front of yep. him, like trying to say no, no. And he's like, bam, 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 like yep. four or five unanswered blows to the face before 
they got broken up. Yeah, that's one of the things, you know, like, obviously, you know, it seems clear that, you know, you should probably stop hitting the guy once he's gone to cover his uh, his nether regions. But at the same time, it is also the rest responsibility to, you know, stop, pause the fight, call a timeout, and, you know, what what do you do? So. Yeah, I, I'm really kind of surprised I haven't heard any mention of this since then, though. It's kind of like there's been, like, a hush-hush thing going on. Yeah, well, ever since Coleman dropped the F-bomb on Tito, that was, that was the headline, you know, it was, not much else to talk about. On a pay-per-view, too. You know, it's like, yeah. what's the big deal? And if he had just not said anything, like the camera didn't go to Tito right. or anything, yeah. that's what we need to do to Tito, people. Just ignore <laughs> him. Hey, he, he sells, though. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? That's true. Yell at him. That's right. Go to the lowest <laughs> common denominator. <laughs> Call him a douchebag. Well, well, it isn't grown men fighting in a cage, so, I mean. True enough. Not Excellent like, point, Tobin. No, not like swearing's out of the question. Of the, <laughs> point, Mitch. No, I mean swearing's fine, you yeah. know. Like, but yeah. it's just it, yeah. it hasn't been their thing. It's been Dana White's thing, right, but right, you know they're yeah. not just yeah. throwing f bombs all over the place because they're trying to yeah. set some sort of standard yeah. for professionalism. Oh yeah, and especially many of the shows they are on Spike TV, and they are you know always <laughs> looking for that 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 uh, proper network deal and stuff. So I, I definitely don't. Uh, uh, think that's a bad thing. I just always find it amusing when Joe Rogan calls people potty mouths, or you know, like, hey, this is a family show. Yeah, when he's one of the worst. Earlier in the early in the night, you saw uh, Chael Sonnen bleeding on Nate Marquardt for 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and not to you know, it, again, it, it doesn't bother me either way. I just I just find it amusing what is acceptable uh, socially in in. Oh, no, it's a sport, and that's it, it, Yeah, that, that's yeah, a part yeah. of the the sport is the yeah. bleeding and the blood, and yeah. you know, the potty mouth should be in there. Yeah. But you know, that's what they do for football and basketball and stuff like that, because those guys are just right in there talking smack with each other. I would love but to watch a, a basketball game on pay-per-view. Yeah, man. uncensored <laughs> and stuff. Like, saying, oh, man. man. Back with, like, Larry Bird and yeah. Michael Jordan. Those guys might. They were just, the you know, the biggest trash talkers out there, you know. But uh, the networks and, you know, the, the whole... Maybe not conspiracy, but you know the group or whatever, you know have a have caught on to that, and they can just kind of glaze over that, and then we can watch you know edited clips on NFL Network or something like that, because those microphones are down there. Yeah, yeah. You know you can hear them talk, but um, I say more swearing than the UFC, and let's let's get over it. Come on, people. I wanna I wanna be able to say on the radio before I die. They can do it over in the UK. 2010, man. That's right. 2010. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Some uh, Giznad? What, uh, Let's see what else we got going on What do you on see here? around there? Ooh, the, pr- the prelims aired on Spike. We should yep. just throw those out there. Uh, Mac Danzig beat uh, Justin Buchholz. Uh, Three-round unanimous decision. And, uh, you know, both guys pretty much said going in there. It's like, yeah, I win or I'm out, you know, yep. out of the UFC. And uh, Mac Danzig won, which... Um, you know, he was an Ultimate Fighter winner uh, a few years ago. Like, he was looking like he was on the rise, but he, he lost three straight fights. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, that's not good for anyone, uh, especially since he wasn't really in title contention yet anyway. So to lose three in a row like that is a, a pretty big deal. It was uh, Clay Guida, Josh Neer, and um, Jim Miller. So um, th- this was a pretty big fight for him. Uh, it got him back on the winning track. Uh, Joe Rogan was talking somewhat about how... Uh, he kind of took some time off and got away from the sport for a little while, and then got back into it to kind of refocus, rededicate, see if uh, see if it was really what he was looking to do with his life. So, you know, hopefully we can see him get back on the winning track. I like Mac Danzig; he's got a kick-ass name. Yep. Um, so hopefully he can do some kick-ass fighting to go with it. <laughs> and uh, Justin Buchholz, you know, he, he's a good fighter. He's young. Um, he can come back and improve. Uh, 
Joe Rogan and Mike Gilbert kind of made fun of our home state during some of the boring parts of that fight. I did but not catch that. I mean, I saw the fight, but I didn't hear the commentary too much at that point. Oh, they were talking about how uh, uh, Justin spent his 21st birthday in, like, 60 below weather, which sucks. And then, you know, it's like, you can die going out to get your mail in that kind of weather. <laughs> it sucks so bad. Well, I mean... uh uh, Goldbrook's from Minnesota, so hopefully he'd stand up for the cold weather states. But uh. Uh, he kept his mouth shut, but <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to upset Joe. Yeah, because then Joe might immediately refute some more stuff that Mike Goldberg said, and then we'd all have to take a shot. Yeah, yeah. Mm. but no, that was uh, yeah. I mean, Buckholtz looked all right. He seemed like he kind of. I mean, both the guys kind of seemed to be running out of steam towards the end of the fight, and he just didn't have really great uh, striking defense. You know, he was seemed to be more kind of content to not content. No one's content to absorb punches, but uh, he seemed to, you know, that's kind of what he was, all he had to offer was kind of be able to, you know, he got, got his hands up, but he wasn't doing much uh, defensively yeah. for the strikes. Uh, he, he was certainly losing the fight. I mean, nobody's going to say he won it, um, but I mean, he was competitive. It's, uh, I can certainly see him coming back down the line because, I mean, he lost the loser leaves town match, but, you know, he, he fought hard. Um it's not like he lost the loser leaves town match in a boring fight. Uh, it, it was a fun one. And uh, before that, we had Melvin Goulard against uh, Honey Torres. Yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a very uh, fun fight. And nice to see uh, Goulard, um, you know, win a decision. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, normally he'll he'll get a pretty spectacular knockout or uh, get caught in submission. It seems like, but uh, I mean, he, what he just started tra- training with uh, Yoda apparently. Yeah, he's uh, with with Greg Jackson, which is, which is good. I mean, not like uh, Greg Jackson can work miracles for everybody, but you know, Melvin Gillard's young and kind of still has that potential. But he always just kind of seemed to fall into uh, fall into submissions or kind of get caught with things that you know he shouldn't have been. You know, someone with experience shouldn't be getting caught with that sort of thing. He also taps faster than anyone I've ever seen. Um, I mean, I know Joe Stevenson's got a hell of a guillotine, but I mean, Melvin was in that for like a second before he tapped out to that one. Um, uh, I, I think he's he's certainly uh, a much better kickboxer, obviously, than he is a grappler, and he, he's really afraid of the ground game. And uh, you know, he gets caught, and it's just like you know, I, I think he gives up a little prematurely sometimes. Um, not that he would necessarily get out anyway, but he uh, he, he showed some decent ground skills in this one, at least uh, defensively. Yeah, which is good. It's nice. I mean, because, you know, Melvin Gillard's been around for a bit, but, again, he's still very young, so it's nice to see him kind of develop more more well-rounded skills, as it were. Yes, he's always been kind of uh, like another Melvin, Melvin Menhoff, who is uh, another guy who is uh, really dangerous standing up, but you get him down, and all of a sudden he's extremely vulnerable. But you were going to say explosive and athletic. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, phrase of the day. Um, so... All right, well, I guess to end it on, is it a surprise at all, or we guys, um, seven of the fights went to decision, and then five of those were all in unanimous decisions. Is this, I haven't seen something like this in quite a while, where no, it's mean, just decision, decision, decision. It didn't really bother me, you know, I've never been one. I mean, as long as the fight's, I guess, interesting, decisions don't bother me, you know. Some people just like to see knockouts, and if there isn't a knockout in the first two minutes, they're like, oh, this is boring. Oh, sure. it's got a, so yeah, I mean that, that that didn't really bother me. And you know, honestly, until you brought it up, I hadn't really uh, really thought about it. But uh, I mean, overall, I thought it was a pretty pretty good card. The main event was uh, you know good for Randy, bad for uh, Coleman, and a lot of wrestlers. Yeah, a lot of wrestlers. But yeah, it was it was uh, 
I, I had no problems with the decisions or anything like that. Yeah, well, and also um, a lot of the decisions were uh, preliminary matches. Uh, two of them obviously got aired on uh, Spike TV, but then there were three decisions that were just uh, would have been completely unaired. They ended up showing us the Phil Davis Bryan stand match, but uh, you know, you say that uh, there's seven decisions, but you know, we only really saw five of them, so it doesn't seem like quite as much. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know. Usually, when you think of uh, a lot of decisions, you think of a boring card, but um, you kind of forget that there's a decision sometimes when a fight can be interesting, much like uh, um, the Chaos Sun and Nate Morcart fight, which you know did go to a decision, but it was a very interesting fight. And uh, the Phil Davis Brian Stan one, um, you know, it, it was a complete domination, so uh, it, it wasn't really a, a boring thing to watch anyway, unless you were just you know. Uh, expecting something more competitive, but uh, it, it wasn't like there were boring fights. The Nate, uh, or Dan Miller against Damian Maya fight wasn't the most exciting one. That was probably the low point of the card. But other than that, right. it was uh, you know it, it kept a decent pace. Oh, yeah, and it's good to see a lot of those guys fighting. We got to see you know Phil Davis, and it was definitely a positive experience. You know, yeah. uh, if anything. Yeah, especially for younger fighters to get you know like Melvin Gillard's another good example. People just haven't. Um, you know, he, he's had a lot of fights, but again, young, still developing fighters to have, like, you know, that full, you know, experience of going to a decision and having to, you know, a hard-fought 15-minute victory, that sort of thing is very good for people who are still growing into their uh, MMA game. Wonderful. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, is there anything else you guys want to touch on before we go? F you, Tito. <laughs> <laughs> you douchebag. <laughs> Fun uh, stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, okay. Do we... Keep watching the skis! <laughs> I mean, skies. <laughs> Do you guys think Couture is going to get a title shot here? Ooh, that's a good point. Um, wow. th- I mean, this is like a whole other show at this point, but like really quick. And yeah, yeah it's something we can give a little discussion to. I would love to see that, and I think that uh, UFC is just crazy enough to do it. <laughs> yeah. What I would say is I don't think he deserves it. Not at this point. Um, because really, you know, he beat Brandon Vera, which was contested by some. Um, yeah, it was a very close decision. It was close, but... I think it should have gone to Randy. I don't think it was nearly as uh, contestable as, say, Shogun versus Machida, where, uh, you know, that was clearly a bad decision. Basically, everyone feels that way. Uh, you know, Randy Couture against Brandon Vera, it was close, but, you know, there's people on both sides of that argument. So that's not nearly as controversial, in my opinion. So he beat one guy who's pretty good, and then he beat Mark Coleman, and he looked very impressive in doing so. But is also Mark Coleman, who we were surprised to see beat Stefan Bonner. Yes. Um. So, in terms of accomplishments since dropping down to 205, not really that impressive. But at the same time, it's Randy. Yeah, he's got the name value, and he's, you know, proven himself, and the UFC clearly, you know, it's a little bit of everything when it comes to the UFC. Yeah, it's a great angle. Great angle. And he's proven time and time again that, you know, he can bust out a victory when nobody expects it to. I mean, he walked into a title shot that he really didn't deserve against Tim Sylvia, and he beat him. He dominated him for five rounds and then went on to defend the title against uh, Gonzaga, who kicked Krokop's head off. So um, I would love to see it happen. I I don't think he deserves it. But, you know, who knows? He might get it, and he might pull off a Randy. Um, He's known for being one of the best game planners. I don't think he's a better fighter than Machida or Shogun at this point, but he might find some crazy hole in their game and, you know, be able to exploit it. 
Um, yeah, that really that really is the fun thing about Randy because on paper he's not doesn't have a great record, and he's like you know the age thing I don't think is really that important, but you know you just kind of look at his record and who he's fought and who he's won and lost against, and you're like, what is this? Well, how did this guy get would he, would he get a title shot? And then you like you see the fights that he wins or you hear interviews with him and he, he talks about like his training and you know how he's still learning even for a guy his age and you know like the yeah the game planning which always comes in and there's, there's like that little bit in the back of your mind like maybe he could do it i will pay money to see mm-hmm. which is you know it's great it's great that he kind of has that cachet with fans i think yeah so I, I think he definitely in terms of what should happen is he should fight somebody else first he should fight Somebody who's, you know, a top five fringe guy, maybe, you know, uh, Little Noguera. Um, That'd be great. I would love to see the Forrest Griffin fight that a lot of people have been calling for, but I don't think that would happen because they, you know, they train together. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that that would be a fun fight, you know, the master versus student angle. Um, but, you know, there, there's a lot of fights that could happen there. Um, I mean, even a fight with Matt Hamill would be a, a interesting one. Yeah. Um, we do got to remember that, I mean, because... Shogun Machida's doing the rematch, and then, you know, and, unless the UFC changes its mind, uh, you know, the winner of Rashad uh, Rampage will will then get, mm. a, get a shot. So, so yeah, he could fight the loser of that fight. Right, and then maybe that'll put him back. In, so it'll be interesting to, interesting to see what they do with him, because I, I, I was impressed that you know, they mentioned it. He, he's been a lot more active than he has at really any other point in his career, except for maybe very early on. Yeah, well, he's had, as he pointed out, three fights in the last yeah. seven months, which is... I mean, that, how many other fighters have had three fights in the last seven months? Yeah. Not only is that a lot for him, but that's a lot for just about anybody. Yeah, so it's it's good to see him more active. I mean, just as a as a fan of the sport, someone with Randy Couture's name and kind of like, you know, history, it's it's fun to be able to see someone with that much value, name value, fight frequently as a fan. Yeah, at least. and also, you know, one more argument towards him getting that title shot is... You know, I know that age isn't a factor when it's Randy because it is Randy, but he is 46. One of these days he's going to get old. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like we, we've said he's gotten old a handful of times. Every time he loses a title, it's because he got old. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it may be that he can't fight anymore tomorrow. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's going to happen one of these days. So if he's going to get title shots, uh, it better be soon because I would think he's not going to make it to 50. But who knows? It's Randy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And, and, you know, obviously the opponents always kind of determine how old he looks. I mean, Mark Coleman was technically younger than him, but he looked looked much older. And, you know, but, I mean, against, um, you know, in, in his last couple losses, he obviously looked uh, a bit slower, a little bit slower to the punch, that sort of thing. But he was fighting, uh, you know, kind of Brock Lesnar, freak of nature. Well, he, did look, deal and he no, did look good against yeah. Noguera. Yeah. Well, and even that first round against Lesnar, I mean, he didn't look amazing, but he was able to do his thing where he was able to get yeah. him up against the fence and that sort of thing. But, you know, it's just kind of, you know, bits and pieces where, you know, he was kind of, uh, he looked good against Noguera, but he was still a little slow to the punch at times. Yeah. The only so. fight that I really think he looked bad in since his most recent comeback is actually the one that he won against uh, Brandon Vera. Yeah. Uh, of the three fights, he, he looked the worst in that one. Uh, he, he basically spent 15 minutes hugging him up against the cage, <laughs> and whenever he wasn't, he was getting his ass handed to him. Getting kicked in the stomach. Yeah. I mean, it looked like he was going to lose from a, a body shot TKO there for a little bit. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Of course, Audio Choke at Twitter.com, Audio Choke at Facebook.com. Leave a message, go to the forum, and start a conversation. I'm Greg Rowan. I'm Tobin Shelby. I'm Matt Collins. We'll see you next week on the Audio Choke here at MMATorch.com. Thank you. He's been riding my ass all day today. Well, screw him.